Hey humans, it's Lauren. Welcome to the Inspired Astrology Podcast. Uh, tonight's the Cancer Full Moon, so Dragon and I are just checking in. Um, I realized, I don't know how much of an introduction that I've done about myself. Um, I've been told by people who I want them to be smarter than me um, that... <laughs> That part of, you know, sharing my brand, even though I don't really think of myself as a brand, I think of myself more as an experience, a human who is here to be of service. Um, I think a lot of you just might not really know who I am, and I want to share that um, because I'm sharing so much of my insight and my being echoing into the chambers of the internet, net, 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 and airwaves. (laughs) I'm Lauren. I'm 36 years old. I was born in Des Moines, Iowa on March 28th, some time ago. And I'm a middle kid. Really sensitive. Pisces moon. Libra rising. Aries sun, if you didn't know. For us March 28th babies. Those of you out there with this energy, this hard-headedness, this fearlessness, this learning to be brave as part of my main modality. And part of being brave means putting myself out there. Um, That's been the challenge, especially with having a Pisces moon and kind of hiding, wanting to be seen, wanting to connect and hiding every chance that I could when I felt vulnerable or misunderstood, misinterpreted. I've always been a writer since I could first discern words on a piece of paper. I think that um, the English language was the first symbol set that I really, really wanted to make sense of. I don't remember, you know, needing to discern colors or blocks or shapes. You know, I think that's so early on in our lives where we learn to discern those things. But the English language the letters, the symbols, that all just just pulled me at the seams as a kid. Um, learning to associate concepts and ideas with a framing of letters. I mean, I think that's some of the most basic energy interpretation that you can come up with, you know, but it's it's not necessarily energy, but interpretation. I am drinking lots of coconut water to stay hydrated. Cancer Capricorn, that energy, right? Um, so writing and the English language, uh, took me to a lot of books as a kid. So learning to read was massive for me. I started writing plays and, uh, performing for people when I was about like seven or eight years old. And I was such a voracious reader, um, early in life, um, I think books books became friends to me. The, the characters, the stories. Um, gosh, I mean, I think about Anne of Green Gables. I think about Holden Caulfield. I think about um, all the Bruce Cavill books that I read. <laughs> Dealing with dragons. Uh, Jeremy Thatcher, Dragon Hatcher. All the fun books. Um, I wasn't into sci-fi. I was really into fantasy. Maybe that's why my dog's name is Dragon. He's talking right now. 
did some theater when I was a young person. Um, I think that was really playing out the Pisces moon energy of maybe wanting to escape into somebody else's identity, wanting to travel and shape energy into a format that was expressive and allowing my Aries son to get up on stage. Uh, Pisces moon kind of bit me in the ass <laughs> in a number of ways. Um, I have a lot of markers in my chart with Neptune and the placement of the moon uh, left for lots of indicators of stay away from drugs and alcohol and substances. Um, and that was not the storyline for me, how it played out. Um, so you'll hear me talking on this podcast about the recovery experience. Uh, I celebrated 10 years of full-on sobriety, August 1st. 2020. It was my 10-year. I may be young, but I did not live like that when I was younger. Um, Those experimentations started pretty early, say like 11 or 12 years old, um, just finding ways to escape. And I thought that I would grow out of it, and I did not. I got kicked out of thespians in high school. Um, Theater was really important to me, and I could not prioritize it over my habits and my need to connect and bond um, through the umbrella of substance use with other young people. So I really have a soft spot for (laughs) juveniles and teenagers that are working with the energy of substances, but... um, I don't know what to say. I guess that I wish that I would have had more boundaries or that those things would have been put in place for me. Um, But I didn't know how to ask for help. I kind of relished the drama a bit. (laughs) And that created for a lot of problems. But I made it through high school. Um, I did work study after hours programs. And um, I got accepted to go to a, uh, a school in a small town in Iowa. Pella, Iowa, uh, where I met some of the most amazing humans that I could ever have hoped to have met. And it's, it's funny. Um, when I try to go back and rewrite my history as one is want to do, I, I have no regrets about my experiences. You know, going to, going to school in a small town gave me a chance to focus. It gave me the boundaries that I needed to really pursue academia and, I moved from a teaching major uh, very quickly. I I entered on the education department and uh, quickly shifted to English major and opted to study anthropology and art on the side. And I went and lived in the Netherlands for school as a 19-year-old. We won't get into the stories of that, but uh, I've been considered a Dutchophile in the past um, because of my love of the Dutch culture. Um, So if anyone is listening who's from Holland... Uh, I lived in Leiden and Kaufenau. <laughs> I love I love Dutch culture. Um, I came back and I finished college. And by the time I graduated, I was a full-blown alcoholic. I never really messed around with alcohol because the first time that I went on a bender, I woke up on a table in my parents' living room as a 15-year-old. Uh, so I try not to mess with that. I, I was more interested in the dry goods and the psychedelics and 
consciousness expansion, man. Um, but that, uh, that was all a delusion. Thank you, Neptune. Thank you, Pisces. So I'm sharing with this with you as, you know, part of my journey and part of a reckoning, you know, being honest with my own experience and honest and authentic with who I am, my being, my source, my force. And it's it's hard not to want to rewrite the script for younger versions of myself. Um, I left college with a great degree um, right in time for the recession in the United States. Um, I didn't have any focus. I couldn't pass a piss test, unfortunately. And I valued my freedom way more than I valued my degree. And I, uh, I took that for granted but continued to apply my writing skills um, through in-depth journaling, through my own psychological conundrums, my my self-studies, my drama. And I, you know, worked at a bar and I worked at a uh, domestic violence center and I worked in health services for a foot detox center, the old body detox center back when that existed in Des Moines. So all these, you know, pieces kind of built up as I was working on writing a film in my early 20s, one that I had started as a 17-year-old, inspired by a former mentor of mine, a Sagittarius artist named Roy, and I wanted that film more than I wanted anything in the whole world. And I mean, this is is one of those pieces I think that I, I don't really share in this this version of my life is that I, I poured my whole self as a 23 year old into, um, producing a film on my own dime, um, my own budget, my own energy. And it took a whole community to make this project happen. And it was some of the greatest heartbreak that I've ever experienced and some of the greatest life lessons that I've ever had. But I I watch things like Rick and Morty now. I don't know if, if you're all interested in that show. Um, cracks me up but like Rick makes this joke about you know to one of the the younger people like why don't you like go you know have your parents like fund a independent film about it or something you know like this this it's a very like I think it hit me a little harder this line um I'll see if I can dig that up and get the audio on it uh it hit me it hit me really hard because it felt very true to my own experience because I was a young person who felt like I knew everything. I was having my, you know, Uranus square and as a, you know, in in my early twenties and needing a lot of freedom and creativity and structure and chaos. And I found that I was really, really good at arranging things and organizing things. And I, um, I was a mess in a lot of ways, but I got to co-create with a band of really eccentric artists, um, and it was amazing. So that was back in 2007. Um, some things happened after that. Uh, I started dating one of the actors that I had hired in the film. And he got sober. And I had a awakening moment. And I tried to get sober for the first time in 2008. Uh, spring of 2008 was the first time that I tried to um, actually get time clean. And it was the first time that I got honest with a drug counselor at a rehab center um, about my 
using patterns. And I was so young and I was so entrenched in that lifestyle. And I was getting kidney infections and have a permanently scarred um, left kidney uh, due to ignoring infections that I should have taken care of. But that's sort of part of the addict wiring (laughs) is to let things be and to not engage or respond to them when your body needs it. Because you train yourself to not listen to your body as you engage with substances that are both physically and altering of the mind. Um, I did a geographic. I moved up to New York City in 2008. I took a train out there, if you can believe that. What a romantic. (laughs) And I relapsed. Um... I didn't really intend for this to be the story of like my substance abuse, but it's part of my life. It's part of the illustration of my being. I mean, there's other parts of my identity. Yes, I worked at Starbucks Coffee. <laughs> and yes, I wrote, uh, I wrote and I read and I engaged and I considered myself an artist. I did figure modeling. I was uh, body painted and photographed and uh, it was very sexy, interesting times for this young one. Um, so there's a lot of boundary issues and a lot of self-loathing. Um, a lot of doing the laundry and putting it on the bed, warm clothes on the bed, and just sleeping in that pile of clean laundry and going through it until the cycle started all over again. It was messy. And all of my bonding experiences were done through that lens of um, substances. And I realized it had been a long time that that happened. So I'm out in New York. Um, I start using again. And shit goes down. Um, My sister moved out there. And I was secretly using behind her back. Um, a drug that I had promised myself that I would never do, but did. And it was demoralizing because I felt like I was living a secret life. And I was lying a lot. And I want you to know that on the back, the backdrop of all of these experiences, um, you know, I started studying metaphysics when I was 15, 16 years old. Um, started with Buddhist books. <laughs> it started with the Tao of Pooh, the power of positive thinking, writing affirmations ritualistically in high school notebooks. Uh, it started with meditation classes after school and Qigong classes after school and learning about breath work and finding Reiki for the first time in my life. Um, I was 17 years old the first time I took a Reiki class. And it was the most yes thing that I could possibly imagine for myself. It, it felt like I was finally connected to the thing that I was supposed to be doing. And I honestly thought that I could outgrow my bad habits. But it was always me swinging on the spectrum, moving as quickly as possible between light and shadow between being a mess and being integrated. Someone who read my script told me that the main character that I illustrate in this film 
flick it's called um that that ukwele which means the truth um that she was everything that i wished i could be that she was my soul self and i have to say in that in that process um i think that's true i think that every character in that film was part of me was part of my consciousness part of the different fractured pieces of my being um yeah, I feel like I should do commentary over the film and repost it or something about, you know, Jade representing the shadow parts of myself and Sunny being kind of my alternate gender identity. Yukwele was my soul. John was all the confused parts of myself. Lucy was the overzealous drama queen inside of me. All of them were pieces of me. And the main character was played by a very dear friend of mine. Fingers crossed we'll get an interview in a couple of weeks. Um, he put a, put a hole in his heart valve in Brooklyn, New York in 2009. This was a friend that I used with. And he almost died. So I was called by his roommate and summoned <laughs> to what we used to call the grave, the, the name of uh, both inhabitants, both roommates. If you combine their name, it would, it would be the grave. And uh, this is in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, Ridge Boulevard. And um, this was the place that some of my darkest habits took place, that they were safe there. It was like a secure place for me to relish in my self and my pleasure. I hate putting it that way, but that's so true. And this is when it happened. Um, July 13th, 2009. Um, they found my friend unresponsive. Um, he was gray, um, underweight. They weren't sure if he had had an overdose, um, and it turned out to be a stroke. So that was the day everything changed. <laughs> that was the day everything shifted for me. Um, so my end of use date was just a couple of days before that. Um I took care of my friend in the hospital while he was um, unwell. I mean, I was told over and over again that he was not going to make it, um, that he had more bacteria in his system, you know, creating a stroke and a hole in his heart valve from intravenous drug use. And this is his story, but his story affects my story. That's where everything shifted. I met some amazing humans through work. Uh, Emma took me to my first yoga class. And in 2009, I started to get high on my body instead of substances. High on my breath, high on movement. I didn't know that that was possible. So the detox occurred in hot yoga studios in Midtown. It occurred in a juice tiger that I bought for five bucks off of a stoop sale somewhere in Brooklyn. 
all the beets and oranges and ginger that I consume from a small bodega down the street from my place in Bay Ridge. A lot changed over that year. I did a yoga teacher training in 2010. Um, 2009, I went up to a retreat center in the Catskills and did a, my first silent meditation retreat, yoga retreat. Had some experiences there that changed everything. You know, just in just in a weekend, in two days, um, I had to sit with myself. I had to sit with my feelings, which was not not comfortable, not what I wanted to be doing, but exactly what I had to do to get where I needed to be. In July of 2010, um, I realized that I wanted to practice Tibetan Buddhism, that that I wasn't a Christian. And I never had been, and I hadn't found a faith system that had made much sense to me. I moved out of my partner, my partnership, everything that was going on. I just just shuffled it. I was doing yoga and meditation every day. I was going to meetings every day. Um, I had found surrender, and it was not easy. <laughs> it was a lot of sacrifice and a lot of hard work to move away from those structures and ways of being that had become so familiar to me. And in yoga teacher training, um, I learned about samskaras, samskaras, this idea of the neural pathways in our minds that we have to rewire and that there aren't good or bad samskaras. It's just the ones that we are most stuck with that become problematic and I learned to do things a little differently I learned to walk differently and breathe differently and think differently and to work with my mind in a new way that's why you heard you know the interview about the Shambhala meditation center in New York City why I invited my friend Chris on um, to talk about the experience at Karma Choling and what it's like to do a three-month retreat um, I don't talk about it because usually no one cares. Um, and I, I found that I don't want it to affirm my ego identity, that my time in Brooklyn, the seven years that I, that I lived there, um, I'm from Iowa, <laughs> I'm from the Midwest, I'm corn fed, you know, raised on the plains. But my identity goes so much further beyond that. Again, on the backdrop of all this, you know, movement from addiction into recovery, um, I found a found an instructor when I was 17 years old that I started studying with at a bookstore in Des Moines, actually in Windsor Heights of all places, right? At a morning light bookstore, which no longer exists. And Diane Sweet has been my root teacher for almost 20 years. I've learned so much from her, and she is the greatest metaphysical, occult, esoteric teacher that I've ever come come into contact with. Of all of the teachers I met in New York, of all of those that I've interacted with in my years of studying and dedicating myself to this life path, there's no one like her, and I'll never be like her. 
she's brilliant and draws information through and has mastered so many subjects and has so many degrees that I could never, I could never accomplish what she does. But what I can say is that she saved my life and she helped me to see myself in a new way. She helped me to recognize my addiction issues back in 2007 and continue to support me on my path as I struggled with getting long-term sobriety. I studied Reiki with her master, Joy Renee of Colorado. Um, I took Reiki 1, Reiki 2, and an addendum class called Reiki 2B, which is a collective unconscious technique um, that I use with clients. Um, It's pretty powerful. And in 2007, while I was bedridden in the hospital with a kidney infection, that Reiki master uh, transitioned. She died when she was in her 40s. So I began my studies with Diane Sweet um, and have been in her Reiki apprenticeship for many years now. I have audited every Reiki class that she's taught that I am in proximity to to take, which has been dozens upon dozens at this point. In 2013, in December of 2013, I was initiated into Reiki Level 3, which for those of you not familiar with the degrees of Reiki, um, you know, it's kind of a westernized viewpoint that Dr. Hayashi came up with uh, when Lady Takata, you know, took took Reiki to the West. Um, it was kind of a dual process there to help westernize it, you know, it's sort of like the black belt system or something in karate. And anyway, so Reiki 3 is usually reserved for those who are on the mastership teacher path. It's for those who are in true service, who do healing work as medical practitioners and um, nurses and things like that. It is like lightning compared to the 40-watt bulb of Reiki 1. It's very, very powerful, and it's a deep honor that I got the chance, the opportunity to have taken that class and to have audited it a number of times and to be the practitioner that I am today. So where did astrology come in, you ask? You know, along with all the metaphysical studies, the esoteric anatomy classes, the psychology courses that I've taken, the the work that I've done on myself and on learning how to be a proper practitioner, all of this has really come into fruition um, in the last seven years, I'd have to say. You know, I've, I've been studying and practicing Reiki for almost 19 years. Um, no, yeah, yeah, 19 years this year. And (laughs) it's crazy to say that, you know, that, that more than half of my life has been dedicated to the study and integration of this material, this beautiful and sacred energy that was brought through by Dr. Yusui in Japan almost a century ago. Um, I am shy even about talking about Reiki. I, I often interpret it as a intuitive energy balancing because I think there's a mis, mis, misunderstanding on the part of Westerners. And there's been a lot of um, misteaching that's happened in the United States because Reiki is powerful. And with power comes prestige and money and accolades. And did I mention power? So I'm very lucky to work with a tradition that I have that is a slow, slow burn 
Um, I've been in the apprenticeship process for mastership for a number of years now, and that means that I continue my studies and continue to audit and audit and audit and take classes and and work with my teacher and work with the energy. Um, I have a great relationship with Reiki, and it has been there for me through all of this madness that I've discussed And it was only my ego who was not in service to my soul, who was so stuck to its identity of drama and pain and suffering that it really had a hard time relaxing the reins. My mom started studying astrology uh, when I was a teenager so that she could understand what a hot mess I was. But prior to that, um, I had a babysitter, Dorothy Cunningham, who some of my clients are old clients of of hers, which is such an honor. Um, I grew up with Ray, with uh, with Dorothy uh, being this caretaker. She was uh, the first spiritual Aquarian type that I had ever met. She wore all purple, and her apartment was all purple, and <laughs> she had crystals everywhere in her house, and burned incense, and red tarot, and Schuster divination cards, and. She would tell me that I was a little Aries warrior, little Aries warrior. And I, I felt seen. I felt seen by astrology. And I was intimidated by it because just like the symbols of early childhood, trying to discern the English language as a written script, astrology looked so much harder and so much more confusing because of the blending of all of these symbols and their myriad of meanings having to weave those together into some confluence point to be able to see a person's soul through all of that wiring and spider web so i started you know, integrating astrology into my practice around 2013. Um, It was intimidating. Uh, My mom was the astrologer. She was the one that I sent clients to. But it became more and more apparent to me that I needed it as an intuitive tool to support clients. And it was more accessible to the general population than Reiki was. So I... You know, I moved moved home after the retreat center. I continued my Reiki studies. Um, I moved back to New York. <laughs> Funny story, as I finally finished up my film project after a lot of heartbreak and sad things happening, you know, characters committing suicide or having heart issues or disappearing. Um, there's a lot there was a lot there. so I, I knew that I needed to find some closure on that project. And that's how I ended up back in New York because I fell in love because I'm a Libra rising <laughs> and for many, many other reasons. Um, I, I feel like I grew up in New York and I tell people that. I, I grew up in Brooklyn. Um, I wasn't raised there, but I became who I am today because of that space and because of the challenges that the city presented and because of the energy provided there. I'm very, very grateful to New York. I moved home um, in 2015. Um, I just knew I wasn't supposed to be there anymore. And I came back and I worked at a health food store in Des Moines that is very precious to me because I learned so much about um, intuition. I learned so much about herbs and supplements and homeopathic medicine and about 
eating clean and diet and kind of the the relationship with the body. You know, I was always a very heady kid and very disconnected from my form. And the integration of uh, diet and supplements, diet in the terms of the types of food we eat, not restrictive programming. That's not something that I adhere to. Um, But I I was able to work with the general population. I was able to work on the spot and respond, learn intuitively how to work with people and to meet different personality types where they were and to discern when folks just needed attention and when they were really willing to do the work. And that's the type of client that I like to work with. It's not somebody who wants to hear how special they are, but who wants to see their shadow and to see what the next steps are, what, what needs to be done. I had the opportunity to travel very, very far away in January of 2019. In India, I realized that I could no longer be the retail girl in the supplement room. I could no longer be the clerk, that it was time for me to step out and step into myself and providing astrology and energy services as my full-time position. I crashed my car the day that I quit working at Campbell's (laughs) at the health food store. I ran into... Uh, an ice glacier during uh, an ice storm week in Iowa and I slid down a hill and I ran in and I I wrecked my car which was very sad but a funny part of the story nonetheless. Um, Some big shifts happened after that. Um, I got affiliated with Kin which is a crystal shop in Des Moines that I recommend everybody go check out. Uh, Kin.dsm on Instagram. Crystals antique jewelry, the most beautiful rings that you've ever seen, the most beautiful home goods that you've ever used. Um, it's just beautifully curated store, very, very uh, Venus, very Venus kind of energy for that, that space. Um, I started doing astrology pop-ups there, which sharpened my skill set with this. Um, I've been with Astrology University studying with them for some time, continuing my own studies, seeing clients, Um, And really finding that nice balance between using inspired astrology and intuitive energy balancing through the lens of Reiki, traditional Reiki, as I was taught, as my master taught me and her master taught her. So that's where I'm at. Um, I moved to Milwaukee during the pandemic and I have no friends here. (laughs) That's why I'm talking into my phone way more than I normally would. But uh, this has been a real gift to get to focus and reframe the way that I reach the people, you out there listening. I can now do virtual appointments to New York, Arizona, California, Iowa, Milwaukee, Texas, wherever you are. Um, I'm happy to provide readings for you and to help you feel more seen. I think that practitioners find clients that they resonate with and vice versa. And sometimes you just have to try. You know, I've said it before, I'm not everyone's flavor of ice cream and I don't anticipate that. I don't expect to be. But I am am doing the work and I am integrating. Um, Meditation is part of my practice. 
recently integrating pranayama uh, breathing techniques to assist in that force and my energy. <laughs> um, continue to work with my shadow stuff and try to, to work with my chart and, and to bring together all those pieces. And I call it inspired astrology because of the intuitive nature of my work. Um, that's a big part of my way of receiving. Um, you know, if you've read any of my planetary poetry, I think you have an idea of uh, the kind of visuals that I bring into that information and how I intend to, to support people. Um, there are more technical astrologers out there, believe me. There are um, way more skilled, you know, <laughs> astrologers out there. And, and I encourage you to go find the people that, that are the glue for you. Um, but I'm, I'm grateful for you listening through my lens, um, listening to what I have to share and what I have to say as a person on the path. And I feel like I'm just getting started. So thank you for st- staying with me, tuning in. And uh, we'll have your full moon and cancer report here in a couple minutes. Stay tuned. So you may be feeling a bit stir crazy, but essentially nothing is happening right now. Nothing in this moment that we can't work with. Nothing insurmountable if we take it just one step at a time. But that doesn't mean we won't have feelings about it, right? (laughs) So welcome the full moon this evening, dressed in the ethereal cancer gowns, the energy in which it governs. This is a potent lunation, folks. Luna, the moon. And of all this moons, ugh, I feel the struggle. <laughs> I do. The cardinal emphasis between these forceful signs. We have the feeling water sign of Cancer and the intense, immovable force of Capricorn. Together, <laughs> there is magic if we choose to work with it. So, We've blown past the solstice. We've survived the great conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn, Saturn, Saturn. (laughs) And there have been peaks and valleys. You know, this whole year has taught us everything about the shapes of our lives, the rhythms of our own being, our moods, our spaces, our nature. So in Capricorn season, we are really loudly reminded of our limited time here as mortals. The rituals and traditions pound into us the passing of time. It's jarring, right? You know, we, we succumb. We succumb to these traditions and rituals, some of which are very painful. We're reminded of our childhoods, perhaps. And we come to terms with pain, you know, physical and mental pain. Pain, which is the passenger of time. So the scar tissue that's left unhealed reveals a lot about our resilience as well as our resentments of the things left unforgiven. Capricorn involves itself in its integrated aspects, right? Like Capricorn at its highest is leadership. The glyph is uh, one unbended knee, the surrender to service. How can I be useful of this world? Otherwise, it can get really into glamour, 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 (laughs) the identity of glamour and success and, and power, right? 
Those are some of the shadow things about, about Capricorn. So when we surrender to service, you know, think, think about things from the season, right? We have the, the film, um, It's a Wonderful Life, <laughs> The Sacrifice of Ego in Exchange for the Benefit of All Involved. Um, George Bailey, the Jimmy Stewart character in It's a Wonderful Life, um, turns over his own will, you know, to travel and be this bigger-than-life individual. And he surrenders and really benefits the community, which speaks a lot about the time that that film was made, but also about the Capricorn spirit of sacrifice for the greater good. Hard work is not sexy. You know, it's not a glamorous thing. Focus and integrity have little glamour as well, but without the determination of Capricorn, the whole system would collapse. Think of the shadow work of Capricorn, like the Grinch, right? The the goat will stand alone. Um, We see where Capricorn's autonomy is an asset, you know, because Capricorn can hold itself entirely accountable to well-concerted completion of tasks. You know, it's... My mom always jokes, she's a Capricorn son, that um, if you want something done, you ask a Capricorn to do it. You know, there's a real sense of uh, determination and completion, willing to stave off other desires, other pleasures to get the task done. So the autonomy, the successes and failures are entirely on the shoulders of Capricorn. Yet vanity and quiet resentment lay dormant beneath the surface. Vanity is when Capricorn doesn't turn itself over to service. That's where the success, how I will be remembered, how, how much stuff I have, you know, that's, that's where those, those memes, those joking memes about Capricorn being, you know, materially oriented come from. But I, I think more of that surrender, that service. So here, Capricorn sun, Cancer, moon, creating the full moon, this opposition, We have to find the balance, the balance between the hard energy of Capricorn and the overly fluid Cancer moon. That's the the challenge here. That's the gift of this energy. So for those individuals with strong Cancer or Capricorn placements, it's incredibly important to sit with the energy on this axis. The full moon in Cancer asks us to soften as much as it asks us to relish in the struggle of doing the hard things. And yes, we can do hard things. Cancer lives in the tides of its feelings. It's perceptual, it's a feeler, and it's connected to others with threads like intuitive umbilical cords. There's a deep feeling knowing, a deep feeling knowing style to the cancer person. And with these deep feelings come the deep need to be of service, to to be useful, to find use in these empathic skills, learning to serve others, anticipating the needs of others. Yet if cancer does not find boundaries, the channels in which to pour itself, manifestation is challenging to accomplish. And to manifest is the way of cancer, to bring forth through the feelings from the mental plane and to give birth to ideas and give life, give life to fill in the blank. Cancer is the portal, the ocean, the water from which we have all sprung and from which we sustain life. So both Cancer and Capricorn carry 
very challenging shadow piece. And that's, um, I hate to say it, deep and lasting resentment. Look what I've done for you. How do you pour forth in generosity? How do you do that without attachments, without strings? This is a moon to unclog emotionally. So what is in the way of your manifestation? What is, what is keeping you from manifesting and uncovering your creativity? And I'll say it again. Creativity is not like, oh, look what I painted. It's the way we move through the world. We as humans are built to express ourselves. That is the creative process. What's blocking you? So tonight, it's a somewhat thinky moon, you know, so as much as it is a feeling moon, you know, the moon sextile Uranus, there's an opportunity to pull to the surface, you know, give insight. What are we not looking at? What are we not seeing? Sun trying to Uranus, we can connect into our own deep and chaotic human nature and perhaps bring some order to it. Who knows? <laughs> Capricorn sun... Uranus and Taurus, I mean, I, I think that that's order to chaos or chaos to order. It depends on how you want to work with it. So some contemplations for your consideration on this full moon and Cancer. What are your control issues and what are your boundary issues? Where are you too, too tight? Where are you too loose in your creative day-to-day -day process? Where have you been too accommodating or too critical? Are you prioritizing healthy relationships? Or are you focused on material successes alone? Where have your past beliefs created current inflexibilities? Where have your past beliefs created current inflexibility? What are your fears surrounding time and aging? Very Saturnian concepts. Are you trusting the cycles of your life? Do you trust nature? Do you trust your body? What are your fears about being an outcast? Where might you be holding back? And where are you daring to be different? Uh, apparently I was supposed to be named Jonathan, should I have been a boy, after Jonathan Livingston Siegel. A great read if you've not had the chance. Um, Richard Bach's work is beautiful, spiritual efforts. Um, Illusions is actually my favorite, but Jonathan Livingston Siegel will always have a place in my heart. There's a deep emphasis in this full moon that asks us what kind of freedom and space and pursuits that need to be made in our home life and with those closest to us. Um... What has traditionally been comfortable that now feels stifling? <laughs> Where have you been talking and changing things up with your family um, or your living situation? You know, what, what do you need to, to do instead of talk about? What have you been avoiding? So think back to six months ago, uh, Capricorn full moon in, in uh, cancer season and see what kind of progress you can track and maybe what you've been kicking around the dirt. You know, what, what seed thoughts came back up then? And what, what's happening now? 
Neptune's emphasis in this chart um, tells me that this is about trusting your vision for yourself. It's a really sensitive time right now, and you might be overthinking um, about your identity or your relationship with intimate partners or your bestest friends. And I'll leave you with this. So what plants are getting overwatered in your life? Which ones are getting neglected? Plants being life things, right? So take a moment to assess and reflect and be generous in your progressions and generous in your forgiveness practices, you know, towards self and others. And that is it for this full moon report in Cancer. A little opener there. A little, little vulnerability on my part sharing with you um, my Cancer Midheaven and my purpose in hosting you towards your soul consciousness. Um, I hope that you take some time to work with what creativity means for you, what manifestation means for you, not in the magical create a circle and throw some salt over your shoulder kind of way, but real manifestation, really bringing concepts through into this world and giving birth to them, whether that's through a notebook or a piece of art or a letter or even just an Instagram post, right? So speaking of Instagram, you can find me at Lauren K. Hickman. You can find this report there in stories in a very fun image-based retelling. <laughs> um, you can find my work in full on energyinterpreter.com. Thank you for subscribing to this podcast. Feel free to give me a rating. I'll send you a coupon or something. <laughs> Just let me know what you need. Um, I appreciate your support and getting this work out there. Uh, this is how I make a living and this is what I want to be doing and what I feel I was born to do as flawed as part of my, um, my personal makeup is, I feel like I'm exactly where I need to be. As are you. Trust the process. Stay inspired.